this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Now when Athalia, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. But Jehoshabeth, say Jehoshabeth. Come on, I had to practice that one. Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiah. Jesus is tough, isn't it? <laughs> hey? Pray for me up here. It's a tough gig sometimes. <laughs> Hid from Athaliah so that she did not kill him, and he was hidden with them in the house. Say, in the house. Hidden with him in the house of God for six years while Athalia reigned over the land. This, um, this story is, is an interesting story and, and I want to set it up just, just real quickly in, in, in this, this passage of Scripture in Second Chronicles. Um, this is powerful because this, I believe, reveals to us something of how the enemy operates. Um, and I want to preach from this from this thought that just came to me um, before. This is my thought. I want to preach from the thought of counterpunch. Counterpunch. A counterpunch is a it's a boxing term. Um, it's a counterattack. The moment your opponent throws an attack at you. They open themselves up because in order to throw that attack at you, they had to drop their guard in order to throw that attack. Therefore, they exposed themselves. And when you capitalize on where the enemy has exposed itself and you come back with a punch in that area where they have exposed themselves is called a counterpunch, say counterpunch. That's what I believe prophetically for us tonight that we're about to do in the spirit where the enemy has tried to come and attack a certain area of your life that you're not about to take that hit and lie down, that you're about to capitalize on the very attack that the enemy thought was he was bringing to put you down. You're about to bring a, I feel something tonight, like I'm gonna preach to myself. You're about to counterpunch. You're not going to just stay where you are on the back of this attack. You're about to move forward because that's God's plan for your life. Are you ready? This is good already, isn't it? I've not preached nothing yet, but I feel good. This story, this is this woman, Athalia, is the daughter 
of Jezebel and Ahab. This woman has been using the previous king. The Bible says that the previous king, Ahaziah, had been listening to and heeding to the advice of this woman, Athaliah, while he was king. And the Bible says because he was listening to her, because she had his ear, he was able to to wreak havoc over the land at that time and steer people away from the things of God and the purposes of God. And the Bible says that that king Ahaziah died. And as we just says, it said that when he had died, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, watch this, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house. This woman, this gives you an, an insight, this gives you an understanding at the level of evil and the level of depravity that this woman and this spirit is operating in, whereby now she's executing her own grandchildren. And the Bible says in this story that as she's doing this, see, she wants access to the throne. This gives you an idea of how the enemy is operating, I believe. This gives us an idea of what the enemy, I believe right now, and I'm not trying to be airy-fairy and spiritual and all out of crazy and super spiro, but what I am trying to do is help you to understand. The Bible says that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against principalities and powers. And I'm not somebody that preaches doom and gloom and there's a demon under every rock, but we also need to not be ignorant to the devil's devices. There's sometimes there's some things in your life that you seem to be coming up against time after time and battle after battle that may I suggest to you that maybe what you're coming up against is not just the natural thing that's in front of you. Maybe there's something operating behind it that's trying to bring an attack on your life. And if we can expose it and recognize it for what it is, you can position your for a counterpunch that will move you forward in the spirit and break off what was trying to hold you back. It says that, that, that she recognised. She saw that the throne, they, had, they, they killed off her son. So the throne was empty. And watch what she does. Watch what the enemy does when there is a void of leadership. When there's space, when there's a little bit of room to move, when no one is rising up, where the church won't rise up, the world will. What the church will not speak into, the world will. And for too long, we have advocated our responsibility as the church and as the people of God. And then we wonder why the world steps in and starts to speak into the lives of our young people, starts to speak and take spheres of society. And we wonder why the world is influencing the political world and why the world is influencing spheres of society. It's because for too long, the church has advocated their position 
and we've said, no, no, we're just the church. We don't touch politics. We don't touch the entertainment. We don't touch the arts. We don't touch music. We don't touch areas. We're just the church. I came to preach to you tonight and tell you we are not just the church. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the catalyst by which God wants to bring about revival in this nation. And it will not happen if we live on the back foot. It's time for us to take what God has called us to take for the kingdom of God and be what God has called us to be. Enough of staying on the back foot, being intimidated by areas that the world has been occupying. Enough of us always holding back, always pulling back, always saying, well, we don't want to get too loud. We don't want to get too passionate. And we don't want to be too forward. No, no, no. Now is the time we need to be louder. Now is the time we need to be more passionate. Now is the time we need to preach the Word of God with truth and with power and with a demonstration of the power of God and the Spirit of God moving now is not the time for us to step back. Now is not the time for you to step back. Athalia was going through and she was executing kings. How many know that's going to be intimidating? She's going through and she's executing people. She doesn't care who they are. She doesn't care if they're her own grandchildren or not. This gives you the idea of the level of evil that is operating through this spirit. How many know that the devil is not holding back? So why should we? I'm sick of playing nice against the devil that's never played nice one single day in my life. It's time for the church to start to play dirty a little bit, to fight dirty a little bit. I'm sick of playing by the rules and just doing what the referee tells me. It's time for us to grab whatever we can grab in the spirit and say enough is enough. I am not going to step back. I am going to step up and do what I believe God has called me to do. I feel the Holy Spirit tonight. I feel like there's something shifting in our hearts tonight. It's time, it's time for a counterpunch. It's time for a counterpunch. It's time for a counterpunch. I don't know about you, but I've been taking too many hits that I just seem to take and just seem to keep trying to just pludge along and keep trudge along. It's time for you to wind one up for the devil and say, I'm not gonna take it anymore. It's time, it's time for a counterpunch. She, she stepped up, she rose up. The moment there was an opportunity, the moment there was a bit of space, the moment there, nobody was taking their position, she rose up. We gotta take, we gotta take as the church and as individuals, we gotta take our position in the spirit. Ezekiel said, he said to God, he looked for somebody who will build a wall and would stand in the gap. You know what I've found? Standing in the gap is not always easy. And we preach and we, and we preach this stuff and we get pumped up and we get excited because who wouldn't? Who doesn't want to knock the devil's teeth out every now and then? Who would not get? And we get excited. But how many know this is easy to shout about Sunday, harder to live on Monday? Because he doesn't come often in the attack that we're prepared for. 
He comes sometimes in the attack that we didn't expect. And the schemes are more subtle than we thought they were going to be. You ever been hit in an area that you thought would never happen to you? Those are the ones that can get us and knock us down. I'm here to preach that I recognize this is something we get excited about, but sometimes it's hard to live. Stand in the gap. In the spirit, it's hard sometimes to be that, that person of, of, of prayer, that person that will pray and intercede in the spirit for your family, that person that will pray and intercede in the spirit for your nation, that person that's not just going to take it lying down, that person that won't just receive that diagnosis from a doctor, that person that will look at that diagnosis and pray and begin to declare healing over your physical body, that person that'll look at that marriage that looks like it's dead and looks like it's buried and say, I believe that what God had joined together, let no man tear apart and pray it and declare it. It's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes when that depression comes in and feels like a wall of, of, of just hits your, a wall of darkness that just hits your mind and it's physically difficult to even get up in the morning. It's hard to open that word and just not wait for for you to feel like it, but just start to speak that word line upon line and precept upon precept and declare it over your mind and to bind your mind to the mind of Christ. Even though you don't feel it, it's hard to take every single thought captive. Young people, when those thoughts are coming into your mind and that lust and that perversion that is continually getting pushed upon young people nowadays and is coming upon young people more and more and we're starting to accept it as normal. It's just how they're going to think because they're teenagers. It's just what they're going to do because they're teenagers. I'm sick to death of hearing and letting the world set the standard of what is normal. I'm sick to death of letting the world tell us what's normal in our lives and in the lives of our young people. I want to tell you, sometimes I understand that it's hard. That it's hard to be that person that says, I'm going to stand in a space that no one's standing in. And I'm going to declare the goodness of God. Even when I'm shaken in fear, I'm going to declare that my God is able. Even when I don't know how it's going to work out and I don't know what this corner is going to look like and I feel like I'm barely standing afloat, but I'm just going to continue to declare and continue to speak His Word, not because I feel it, but because I know it to be true. Not because I feel it in my heart and in my in my physical body and I necessarily get the warm fuzzies or not. I'm not going to wait for the warm fuzzies. I'm just going to declare it and speak it out over my situation. It's sometimes, sometimes it's hard to do, but it needs to be done. We've got to make that decision that we're going to get up. Say, get up. Say, get up. Say it like you're awake. Say, get up. There was space. There was space that she was trying to Occupy. Someone needed to get up. But then look at what happened because the person that we're talking about in this story, this dude's young. He's, he's a little dude. He's like a year old. He's a baby. He's, but what was good was even though he was young, he was surrounded by people that had the maturity spiritually to recognize what was going on. 
and these people, it says it, says that they that they got around him, Joash, the daughter of the king. So this is his sister. It says took Joash, sister got him and said, "We're gonna we're gonna hide him away." While Athalia is doing this, she made this decision. She said, I'm not going to let her do this to you. I'm going to grab you and I'm going to take you somewhere that's safe. This gives us an idea of the type of people that we need in our life sometimes. We need young people. You need to surround yourself with those type of people. You need to surround yourself with the type of people that will recognize when the enemy's coming around you and will get around you, get on the front foot before the enemy gets to you. Recognize the attack that's coming your way and get around you and say, we need to put a good circle of people around you. We need to get, see, because the Bible says that she was killing kings around him. The, the kings that were meant to be rising up, she was killing. So those that were on his level, those that were meant to be stepping into his place, these jokers are dropping like flies around him. See, you've got to look at who you're hanging out with and recognize, okay, if the people I'm hanging out with are not heading the direction that I want to head, maybe I need to change my circle. That if I'm looking around and spiritually, the jokers I'm walking with are starting to drop like flies and they're not seeing what's going on and they're not getting it and they're not understanding it. Some of you are wasting time and wasting the call of God on your life because you're too busy trying to convince those people of what's going on. You either see it or you don't. And if they don't, don't waste any more time with them because your calling is not worth it. You gotta get up from where you are and you gotta get to where God has called you to be. He had to say, get up. Had to get up. Then he had to get out. Say, get out. Say, get up and get out. Had to get out from where he was. I was thinking of Second Kings chapter 7, the story of the four lepers. Remember, the four lepers were at the front of the gate in a time of drought. And the Bible says the four lepers said to each other, why are we staying here? If we stay here, we will die. Everybody else was starving. The Bible says dudes were paying money to, to buy a camel's head. A, 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 a camel's head? That's right. Donkey's head. Camel, donkey. I guess the heads all say, taste the same at that point, you know. <laughs> you pay, there was so much drought that you, you pay money just for a donkey's head. And these, I love this story. I love that story because these four jokers, these dudes are lepers and they're looking at each other and they're thinking, man, everyone's dying all around us. I know we're lepers, but what are we staying here for? If I stay here, I'm going to die. We're going to end up like the rest of these idiots. Let me tell you something that's going to blow your mind. Write this down. It will change your life. If you hang out with idiots, young people, if you hang out with idiots, you'll become, you guessed it. That was prophetic, wasn't it? I put it in modern day. Let me tell you how the Bible says it. Bad company corrupts good character. 
Does that sound better for you? You've got to make a decision. If you're called to fly with the eagles, stop hanging out with turkeys. Make a decision and say, I've got to get around some people that have got some greatness upon them. I'm sick of hanging around deadbeat morons that are going nowhere and trying to convince them that there's something great on my life. If they can't see it, don't worry about wasting your time. You just go and be what God has called you. I feel like preaching tonight. I wish I had some more time. But what we do is, we say this in church, and this is where people get confused. We say in church, well, Ben, aren't you, are are we not meant to make a difference? Are we not meant to get around lost people? And it's true. Listen, I'm I'm an evangelist at heart. My my heart is to see people one into the kingdom. And so people often use this argument to justify hanging out with people that are not a good influence in their life. And they say, well, Ben, Jesus did it. And it's true, Jesus did, didn't he? Jesus was constantly around lost people. Let me tell you something else that's going to change your life. You're not Jesus. I mean, I I know that's not like incredibly profound and... You know, you don't have to look it up in the Greek to understand what I just said. Um, But you're not. We all aspire to be. But Jesus was God in flesh. Therefore, there was not a single scenario or atmosphere that he could put himself in that was ever going to influence him. He was always going to have the influence over it. So unless you get to that place, and if you feel like you're at that place where you and Jesus are on par, then God bless you. I think you're amazing. Praise God. But if you are like me and you're at that place where you're like, you know what? I'm not like Jesus yet. I one day aspire to be, but right now I need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and be obedient to what God is telling me to do and and recognize that there are some people and some environments and some atmospheres that right now I need to stay away from because right now I recognize that while I do want to be like Jesus, I am not perfect. I do have weakness. I do have flesh and it does fail me at times. So while I'm learning to keep this flesh in check, I'm going to remain the path that God has for me and not step outside of places and into areas that I feel like I may stumble. Does that help? somebody, you feel like that might help you a little bit. It's it's very simple. Keys need to come because this is going to get out of control otherwise. I feel too good up here, you know, like when I start feeling good, that clock's going to get up. So get out and look at this. Uh, and, And they took him. They took him to a place they took him to the house of God. Someone's phone's ringing. <laughs> Tell him I say hello. They took him to the house of God. <laughs> when I get comfortable, it, it doesn't go good. Sometimes I get a bit too comfortable. They took him to the house of God, but not just the house of God. It says they took him to, uh, the Bible says, the nurse took him in a, into the bedroom, a bedroom within the house of God. Or a, the King James says a, a, a bed chamber. A bedroom. This is, this is a place. 
bedchamber was a, was a private place. This was a place that was separated away from everything else. One of the greatest ways in which you can counterpunch what the enemy has tried to bring at you is when you allow those attacks to push you to that quiet place away from everybody else. When you get to that place where you seek the face of God like you never have before in your life. This, this story that, that you know, I shared with our staff on our staff retreat recently, it spoke something to me and it's this story in, in Luke chapter 5 where it, it talks about the story where, where Jesus is, is preaching in the house. And you remember the story, the house is, is packed out. It's a sellout. And these dudes roll up, four dudes with a leper. Remember the story? And, and the Bible says that they can't get into the house. And so they climb up on the roof and they lower the guy down through the roof. And what's interesting in the story, and you can read it later, but the Bible says when it was, when at the start of the story, it says that, that Pharisees and Sadducees, teachers of the law, traveled afar for, this mess, for that message. It says they traveled from long distances. The Bible says that they sat beside where Jesus was. And then it's this powerful verse straight after that. And it says the presence or the power of God was present to heal them. And I always rush by it because that story, the focus primarily is on the four dudes and the leper. But what hit me was the fact that it says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were present and the power of God was present also to heal them. But we don't read about any of them getting healed. And I believe the reason why we don't is because what that story also tells us, it says that they were there, but they were sitting by. See, it's a natural posture that I believe represents a posture of their heart. There's a difference between sitting by and leaning in. And I've read that story so many times before. And whenever I read stories in the Bible, because uh, I'm a visual person. And so I always try to visualize the story and what's going on. And I try to put myself in the story. You know, and I, and I try and, you know, I find myself... Dependent on the story, I will find myself as, you know, maybe one of the disciples or, or I'll find myself maybe in, in the person that needs the breakthrough. You know what I mean? I'm either in this story when I've read it before, I've been that person that's lowering a guy down because I want one of my friends to get saved. Or sometimes when I'm going through something, I'll see myself as the leper on the mat, you know, and I'm like, God, I need a breakthrough and I'll push through whatever I need to push through to get to you, whatever it may be. But when I recently read that story for the first time, to be real honest, the Holy Spirit showed me that at times in relation to this story, I can sometimes be like a Pharisee. And the more, and it didn't make sense at the start, but then the more I read that story, the more it made more sense. 
Because these Pharisees, you've got to understand, they, they traveled afar. They made the effort. They made the energy. They got to the service. They were in service. I'll go on further with you. They were sitting on the front row. Because the Bible says that they were sitting beside where Jesus was. But they didn't get their breakthrough. That the Bible says they needed a breakthrough because it says the power of God was present to heal them. And I thought to myself, how many meetings have I left and walked out of where I did not encounter God? Because I was just there sitting by and I was not leaning in. See, what's powerful about this story that we're looking at in Second Chronicles is not just the fact that they pulled him away and put them in the house of God, but it was the fact that they put him in a quiet place, a private place. More and more, we need to be people that know what it is to encounter him in a private place. And listen, these services like this are amazing and people coming down the front and encountering Jesus and there is a a unique anointing in corporate worship. But I'm a big believer of that unique anointing when there's no one around and you're just singing out that worship. that comes from a place that's so deep within your spirit where words don't matter and actions don't matter and you've got to have tissues close and there's no time limit and you've got to lock the door and you've got to just say, you know what, I'm going to stay here until I encounter you, Jesus, whatever that looks like. But I need you. I need a touch from you. I need your presence. I need you to do a work in me, Lord. I need you to mold me. I need you to shape me. I need you to break off me those things that I've picked up along the journey that we can all pick up each and every day. I need you, Holy Spirit, to come and reach into my heart and reach into my spirit and touch those areas that too often I keep hidden away from you. I need your touch. I need your presence. I'm humbling myself. We, we, we got to revisit as a people of God what it is to, to humble ourselves before the Lord. We're, we're, we're too blessed. We're too blessed. And we let it puff us up. And we got to continually get to that place and say, Lord, Lord, humble me. Humble me, Lord. Keep me in that place of, of humility. Keep me in that place of dependence upon you with everything that you've blessed me with and gifting and ability that you've given me. Lord, don't let it get to my head. I pray that you would keep, guard, guard my heart. Lord, keep me, keep me in that private place. That bedroom is a private place. It's also a place of rest. 
place of rest. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be in fear. You don't have to be anxious. Psalm 37. Don't fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious of workers of iniquity, for they soon shall be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. I read this verse again this week. I've read these verses again. I've read them so many times before. Feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. The fourth one that I wrote down, these were just little things that hopefully you could write down to help you remember. The first one was get up. Second was get out, get in. The last one I wrote was give in. Get up, get out, get in and give in, which is interesting because we're talking about a counter punch. And it doesn't sound like that fits, does it? It's like, Ben, isn't that what we're talking about not doing, you know? But when I wrote that down, give in, because that's what I feel like. Sometimes my biggest battle is holding on. To be honest, I think sometimes when I get with God, my biggest battle in those times with God is not in those moments when I get with God and I get in the presence of God. I think my biggest battle is not with the enemy, but I think sometimes it's with myself. I don't know about you, but I find I'm battling myself, my own mindset, my own thinking, my own feeling like I've got to try and do it all, feeling like I've got to try and keep it all together. Trying to, I'm, I'm in the prayer place, but I've still got this, this, this mindset that's trying to systematically, I'm still trying to work it out. I think that's what we do sometimes. I think sometimes we... We, we, we try and work something out and we call it prayer if we put dear God before it and amen at the end of it. When what God wants us to do is actually let it go and give in to Him and say, God, I don't know what to do. We get so good at doing things, don't we? We get so good at, at what to do and how to do it and when to do it. And, and, and listen, I want to tell you one of the most freeing things you can possibly experience is that revelation that says, you know what, God, I don't know what to do. And I'm not going to try and work it out. God, I give up. Better. I give in. I give in to you. Give in to your presence, your touch. Lord, I just trust you. I trust that you know what's going on. Even when I feel like I would do it differently, I trust you. I trust you, Lord God, when I feel like my breakthrough should have come yesterday, but I trust you. God, I trust you. When I feel like I don't have enough, your word tells me that you're more than enough, so I trust you. I trust you, Lord God, when I feel like I want it to go a certain way and it's not going that way, I'm not going to force it in my own fear and my own wanting to my will to come about. I trust you. I declare, Lord, your goodness and your faithfulness is active over my life, that you're ordering my steps. I'm not ordering my own. I give in. I surrender.
They kept him in the house and I'll close. I promise. I promise. Do you believe me? I promise. <laughs> I feel like I'm lying to your face right now. Give me two. The last, last thought. Six days. Six days. Six days. I'm sorry. Six years. The story says they kept him in the house six years. The seventh year. Six years they kept him in the house. Six represents in the Bible the number of men. Seven represents the number of perfection. Six. Seven. Six, the number of man. God kept him there. Kept him there in that place. When it speaks of the number of man, it's saying man's, man's efforts. Man's energy. What man can do. What God's saying through this verse is when you're done doing what you can do, I'll come in and I'll do what you can't. But we gotta, but we gotta get all of this other out of the way. And some of you are delaying your own breakthrough because you're still trying to do what you can do. And the moment you give in, the moment you let go and let God, God will take over and He'll do what you can't. It's your counterpunch. It's a different type of message for a counterpunch because it sounds like less is more when it comes to the Spirit of God. Because the less we can do and get out of the way and say, God, I trust you, God, do your thing. And I'm going to let my greatest battle become my greatest breakthrough because my God's good and God's going to do it for me. Do you believe that? Come on, give Him praise. You better make some noise. I'm going to keep preaching and we'll be here all night. I came to tell you that that battle that you're facing, you're about to break through in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.